Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. On the northwest corner of Kyle Field in College Station, how many of you have ever been to Kyle Field? I, I think everybody needs to go, even if you don't like the Aggies. I think you need to go and experience one game, the tradition that surrounds the game, the Saturday in College Station. We just had our, our uh, Anna's a, a senior in the band, and we, we went to the opening game Thursday night. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's really no place like it. And, and just, just the, the sights, the sounds. But this statue here is of a young man by the name of E. King Gill. He was known as the original 12th man. And not growing up in the Aggie tradition, uh, we, we kind of stumbled into all this, and so we, we've, we've had to learn about it. But, but the, as, the, as the legend goes, the, the players on the A&M sideline are getting hurt. The, the, every play seems to someone's getting hurt, and they're, they're getting shorter and shorter in terms of replacements. And so E. King Gill was in the stands. He was a basketball player. He was actually there at, at A&M to play basketball, but he had played football in, in high school. And so he comes to the legendary coach, Dana Bible, Dana X Bible actually, and comes to the coach and says, Coach, I'm ready to play. And, and as the story goes, he didn't actually get into the game, but, but from that point forward, he was considered part of the football team. And that's what's been called the, the, the tradition of the 12th man. Now, that's expanded from, from E. King Gill to the entire stadium. And it, it's, it's been quite remarkable that at times whenever the, the crowd gets so loud, the other team will get a penalty for a false start or, or illegal motion or something like that because they can't hear a thing because of the, the 12th man is so loud in the stadium. And, it's, and they, they've gotten aware now they've got a decibel meter and they let you know how loud everybody is. But I, I, I'm telling you this because when, when Danelle and I stumbled into being Aggie parents... I mean, we had our life figured out. Our son had gone off to the University of North Texas in Denton. And, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, there was the, the Eagles. Um, but, anyway, um, we, had, we all, all planned this out. I mean, we, we visited the campus, all three kids, 
took my dad along, and he told them, you know, they feel like this is a great place for y'all to go to school. And so they had figured it out. They were going to be music majors, and they were going to go to, to North Texas. And so we, we had it figured out that Chris... You know, he was there in his first year, and he had to live on campus, and then we were going to get a, get him an apartment or maybe rent a house or something because that would, would kind of fix the loophole where each of our kids would have to live in a dorm. And so they could all live together. They'd have that accountability to each other, and, you know, and we'd, we'd take care of our family from four hours away. Well, Jessica had a friend who was enrolled at Texas A&M, and she invited her to come stay with her at her apartment. For a weekend. And she comes back home and she had a few scholarship offers from other schools and she comes back home and she said, Daddy, I think I want to be an Aggie. And that's when our world changed. And we we didn't know then, but if if you if you have anybody in your family who's associated with Texas AM, you are an Aggie. And so we didn't have any, any maroon in our, our wardrobe. I don't know how many shirts I have. I don't know how many caps I have. But it's become a part of our lives. And, you know, it's, it's now five years later, and Anna's beginning her, her... She ended up going because her sister did. And, you know, she, this is her senior year, and this is the last time. It goes fast. But you're, you're, I'm gonna, uh, hopefully I can explain to you where I'm, where I'm going. I'm continuing my, my series this morning, Everyone Gets to Play, Why Everyone Can Participate in God's Kingdom. And the title of my message is Ready, Willing, and Able. Now, if you look in the Gospel of Luke... Jesus was, was with, his, with people who were following him. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied to him, Foxes have holes and, or dens and birds have nests and the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then he said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then another one said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, for somebody who's trying to get people to follow him, these responses sound pretty harsh, don't they? I mean, he he scares the guy off with the living conditions. And then he tells the guy that's wanting to bury his, his own father, don't worry about it. Come and follow me. And then the guy says, well, let me, let me say goodbye to my family. Come follow me. I mean, this is hard stuff. Now, different scholars have weighed in on the interpretations 
And, and the, the conclusion that a lot of them came to was that, that we should strive for such a love for Christ that our affections appear to be hatred in comparison. That kind of sounds like how theologians talk, you know? Well, I, I, th- I think the point of this passage is that we need to accept the invitation of the kingdom without delay. Because think about it. How many times have things come up? You know, when I've got something I need to do. I've got something that I want to do. Something comes up and then we don't get around to doing it. And it's, it's the same way with answering the call to the kingdom. That we could get caught up in things and find ourselves wandering away from, from what Jesus wants for our lives. It's, it's kind of like what the writer of Hebrews said. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. During the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, and that is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts were always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So, this is the context that I, I want, want us to look at as we look at being ready and willing and able to respond to Jesus' call. Now, when I was growing up, I, I was part of a group that was called the Royal Rangers. Everybody else got to do the Boy Scouts. Well, I, I did the Royal Rangers, and it's kind of a knockoff of, of, of the, the Boy Scouts. But there was one thing about being a Royal Ranger that I remembered they had a, a, a Royal Ranger pledge, they had a code, and they had a motto. And that motto was ready, ready for anything. Ready to work, play, serve, obey, worship, live, etc. And then they changed that to apply God's word. So, but but we, we learned that. That was what we learned. And... A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to you about my, my, my work history. You know, I don't remember now how I have to go back and look. So many jobs in such a short period of time after Danelle and I had gotten married. And I learned in the, in the process, and, and, and it, was, it was actually just the, the way that the, the Lord did it. He brought someone into my life that really kind of gave me a, a, a kick in the seat of the pants. And, and that was the, the thing that he taught me was that, man, when you show up for work, you've got you've to work and you've got to do it. You've got to make it happen. Nobody else is going to do it but you. And, and so I, over time I learned this. And then, you know, after, after a while of having to learn new things and, and start new jobs and change positions and all this kind of stuff, I, I, I started thinking about this motto, being ready. Ready for anything. And in, in my previous line of work, I, I was an IT guy. And, and, you know, people would talk about time management. And they would talk about how important it was to plan out your day. But the way it worked in my life was that I would get to, to my office. I would sit down. I'd start checking my email. And then somebody would call and say, hey, you've got a, a campus that's completely down. The router went down. And we need somebody on site right now because nobody can connect. And nobody can sign in kids. And, not, and so, so I jump up from there, get in the car, and go over to the campus and then try to figure out what's going on. 
And it was in, in that line of work that I learned that I had to be ready for anything. And here's the thing about being ready. It involves preparation. That doesn't mean that you, you, you know what to do, but that you, you have your tools, you have your things together, you, you, you are prepared in the event that something happens that you can get up and go at, at any moment. I'll never forget the time I went to work and I didn't have my, t- my tools in my car. I was working on the computer at home and I left, the, left them in there. And all day long I was lost. And fortunately we didn't have a major event happen, but it was a big deal. And every time I went to my car, oh, wait a minute, I don't have my tools. I don't have my tools. That, that it's, it's a part of, of being ready to prepare. And being ready requires a response. What happens whenever something happens? And, and, and you're, if, you, if you just say, well, I, I, I don't have to do that right now. You know, like, like the, the, the guy calls and says, hey, we got this campus down. Oh, don't worry about it. How long do you think I would have stayed employed? <laughs> You know, it's, there's a response that's required in order to be ready. In, in the Apostle Peter's first letter, he said, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, this is the guy who told Jesus... Lord, I'll die for you. And a little girl asked him around a fire, Hey, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Oh, I don't know. That's not me. I mean, in, in crunch time, Peter blew it. Big time. Because, you know, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke says that Jesus was in a, a place where he looked at Peter whenever he denied him. Can you imagine? Have you ever done something and you were ashamed of what you did and then you actually made eye contact with the person that you did it to? How embarrassing. How humiliating. And he's the guy that's saying, be prepared to give an answer. People have asked me since we've been pastors here, what kind of church is a vineyard? Well, early on, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, we're uh, just kind of casual. And, and I've realized I've got to come up with an answer. I need to be able to describe what kind of church we have. Because there's been a few times they asked me, and it was kind of like, uh, 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 and uh, I'm the pastor of the church. I, I've got to prepare an answer. And that's the way we need to be about our faith. We need to be ready to respond to opportunities to do the work of the kingdom because that's how everybody gets to play. When the, the opportunity presents itself, we're ready. Be ready to respond to the Spirit. Now, look back at the, at the verse that I read just a few moments ago from Hebrews. If you hear His voice, be ready to respond. And in order to be ready, we need to get used to to his voice. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how, how people recognize a voice that they're used to hearing. You know, before cell phones, you know, you just picked up the phone, said hello, and, and you had to wait for the voice that came across the phone. Remember? And, and, you, and there were some people that whenever they, they called, you just knew who it was. 
But right as they, maybe even as they were breathing to say hello, you knew it was them. And so with that, I, I, I just want to ask a question. And, and, and this is really what we're trying to do. And I, I'm, I'm trying to make some space. And I'm gonna, I'm, I really want to get to, to, to the, the punchline this morning. But how does the Lord speak to you? How does He speak to you? Is it in songs? It's, is it in Scripture? Maybe in, maybe in poetry? Maybe in something that you read? Does He speak to you in, in, in the quiet? Or maybe in a walk? You know, like if you like to go for a walk and, and you, some people they like to go out in the woods or, or they, they like to go out and, and get away from everybody. Does God speak to you through other people? We need to get used to his voice. Wherever he speaks to us, however he speaks to us, to to tune our ears to hear so that we can be ready, ready to respond to the Spirit. Okay, so if, if readiness involves preparation, then being willing involves something more. Webster's Dictionary describes willingness as being inclined or favorably disposed in mind, prompt to act or respond, done, born, or accepted by choice or without reluctance, of or relating to the will or power of choosing. Now, why am I saying that? Well, if we want to talk about being willing, I think there's a good example of of what willingness or a lack of willingness looks like. Jesus told a parable about two brothers, you remember? And so he said, there was a man who had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. And he changed his mind, and he went. And then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. So Jesus asked, which of the two did what his father wanted? Well, the first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Kids, right? They must have been teenagers. Right? I mean, you know, how many times have you told your kid, go take out the trash, or go, you know, and, and you'd, maybe you get some lip and, you know... Well, Jesus was talking to religious leaders and he compared them to spoiled, disobedient children. I mean, what's the difference you know, with someone who says, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll do that, and they don't. Where the, the, those who, you know, you tell them to, not to do something, they say, oh, I won't do it, but then they decide... Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I probably should go ahead and do that. You know, the, the, whatever the case, the the point is to be obedient, right? I mean, that's what we want. We want the, want that obedience. 
Well, the, the key ingredient in all of this is being willing, being willing to respond to Jesus' call. And those who, who Jesus was talking about, who, who the, the, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, fill in the blank with anybody who doesn't do the right thing, but they, they end up coming around and then they do what, what they know to be right. As opposed to those who were these religious leaders who said that they would do the right thing and they didn't. They didn't practice what they believed. So what I'm talking about this morning is being willing to obey the Spirit's leading. It's one thing to be ready to respond to the Spirit because we can respond and go off in all kinds of directions. I feel like the Lord told me to do this. It's another thing altogether to be willing to obey whatever the Spirit says to do. feel like the Lord is leading me here. I feel like the Lord is leading me here. Our willingness sets us apart to be used by God however he sees fit. King David sang this song in, in Psalm chapter 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Being willing. It's more than an attitude. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's, it's part of the heart. Now, there's a saying that has been attributed to St. Ignatius. Work as if everything depends on you, and pray as if everything depends on God. Well, that's pretty good in theory, but usually what ends up happening is that we really don't pray all that much. So we decide that we're just going to do that much more work. Right? I can figure this out, you know. And if you're pushing against the wall, just push harder. You know, it's going to go down at some point. And we work like that and we, we, we kill ourselves. And then we wonder why, why we're, we're tired. We wonder why we get depressed. We wonder why we feel just so, so heavy. Well, in, in Psalm 127... It's actually a, a psalm of, of, of Solomon. He says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Now, there's that word rest again. Remember, we read it in, in Hebrews just a few minutes ago. I think a lot of us, we, we don't experience his rest because we think that this kingdom stuff rests on us. Well, well you know, I, I've, 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 I've got I've to take care of this. I've got to do this. Can I just say this this morning? It all depends on him 
Even the stuff that we think is our responsibility. Now, last week I talked about Jesus sending out the, the 72, you know, the, the other disciples. I want to read this again, and I, and I want to just, just point out something. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, why would Jesus tell these these folks, something like that. I mean, they just came back and they, I'm sure they saw some amazing stuff. Because he told them to cast out demons. And he, he told them to heal the sick and to raise the dead. And they saw that the Spirit submitted to them. Because they were subject to Jesus. But they didn't understand that part of it. And Jesus had to tell them, look, I've given, I've given you the authority to do everything. I've given you authority to do all of this. This is my authority. You're acting in my authority. The Father's the one who's doing the work. It's His work to do, not theirs. Their work was just to be obedient and to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come. And the rest was up to God. And see, because of what, what Jesus has done, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can do the same things. But we, we can't get caught up in, look what I just did. Oh, it's not you. It's Him. It's the work of the Spirit. We're just the vessel that he chooses to use. But we can participate in what he's wanting to do, and that's what he wants. And he, he I mean, if we, if we get caught up in, in the power of it, the power will destroy us. The power will destroy us. It's not our work, it's his. And because of the work of the Spirit, we can do what Jesus did. We are able because of the Spirit's ability. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you've probably read this verse before. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and, and he was talking about the visions that he had seen, how he had been caught up into the, the third heaven. And he talked about how he had he had he spoke in tongues more than everyone else and all the things that, that he did because you know he was he was the great apostle. Well at least that's what it would sound like. But then he, he made reference to something that he called a thorn in the flesh. Remember that? And he actually called it a messenger of Satan. I can imagine if it was a, it's something that and it was somebody, that would feel kind of like a messenger of Satan. You know, just to, to, to torment him like he said. 
And, and the, the words that he used, the reason why that it was that this thorn came to him was because he, it, it came to keep him from being conceited. And I want to read what Paul said in regard to this, how he responded to receiving this thorn. He said, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and I in insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I'm weak, he's strong. Several years ago, before the vineyard became the movement that we know it as, John Wimber was, was a church growth consultant. And he was flying from one place to the other. And he was, he was talking about, you know, everywhere he went, this is how you can make your church grow. This is how, do these things and, and your church will, will grow. It just automatically does. Well, he was at the point of burnout. He hadn't spent time with his family. He was he just, just frustrated and, and he wasn't feeling well. I think he was even having some health problems. And he was, he was I, I, I think he was coming off a flight and he just told the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I'm sacrificing for you. I'm, I leave my family during the week and the weekends, and I, I'm, you know, I'm flying all over the world and I'm doing all this. It's all for you. And he, and John said, and you, you've probably heard this if you've been around the vineyard for any length of time. He's, he said the Lord spoke to him really clearly, and he said, John, I've seen your ministry. Now let me show you mine. And that moment changed his life. So, can we stand this morning? This is what everybody gets to play is all about. And this past week, I've just I, I've I've just spent some time thinking. And I've had, and, and and I've I've done some meditating and and I think I. I just have to make a confession that I, I I'm kind of I fall into that category of you know ready, got to get it done, you know, and and when we're talking about the work of the Spirit, that takes a little bit more time, and the Holy Spirit he, he's he's a person, and he doesn't like to be manipulated. And, and there, there, there have been times that I, I've said, come Holy Spirit, and I think I probably waited about maybe 30 seconds. And it's like, okay, well, let, let's, let's go ahead and move on to the next thing. Now, this may be uncomfortable for y'all. And if, if it is, I, I'll apologize up front. But we're just going to wait here in the presence of the Lord just for a few minutes. And here's what I want for, for everybody to do here. While we're waiting, dialogue with the Lord. Is there something you want to show me? Is there something you want me to do? Is there something or someone that you want me to pray for?
And just be open to that. Because, see, this is, this is the, the ready, willing, and able. We're, let's make ourselves available to Him and then allow Him to do the work. And if nothing happens, we, you know, we've, we've, we had a few moments here of, of quiet. But, but can we do that? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. And, if, and, and as, as we do this, just, just, just be open to what He wants to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, you've seen my ministry and my attempts at ministry. Lord, I want you to show us yours. Come, Holy Spirit.